about we stay standing and let's just pray. Father God, I just thank you today. Father, I thank you for your word, that your presence is in this place. Lord God, I thank you that your spirit dwells within each and every one of us. And today, Father, I pray that you whisper in our ear. Lord God, that you give us all an individual revelation of what you want us to hear today. Spirit of God, we thank you that you're in this place. We thank you for what you've already done in this place and what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Grab a seat. Be awesome. Well, I reckon just tonight, just come and eat the food anyway. Let's just face it, let's just eat. You know, we're all young adults at at some stage in our life. I'm still a young adult, apparently, until Thursday, Wednesday, apparently, I hit 4-0. I made it. Anyway, well, I... This morning I thought we'd have a bit of fun as we've been doing We The Church and uh, we're just in that little in-between stage. And so I decided, well, I would talk about something different. Uh, something that I probably don't really talk about enough of, apparently, if you're, if you're very religious and you're very really hung up on this word, it's called repentance. <laughs> and, and so I love the grace of God, I love the mercy of God, but repentance does come in every now and then. And so I, I really thought today's message is that I'd have a little bit of fun. I, I said to Josh last night, I said, hey, I've changed the title of my message and I want you to be creative, a little bit creative with this one. And so the title of my message is today is, whoops, God changed his mind. Some people are like, can he say that? Does he change his mind? Well, this is the question I want to ask. Does God change his mind or do we just get it wrong? Someone's like, well, really? I'm perfect. God gets it wrong all the time. It's really God, it's not me. Like, come on. And so this morning I thought we'd look at this and and I thought there's no better book to go to than the book of Jonah. I don't know, I've been reading the book of Jonah for the last couple of weeks and I'm like, man, this, this says it perfectly. It's one of the illustrations of does... God changed his mind. So before we get started, I'd love for us just to turn to the screen so I could jog your memory what the book of Jonah is about. Thanks, guys. Oh, so did that jog everyone's memory? Everyone got it down pat? There's only like four chapters in that book, and uh, it's pretty easy to read, so if you want to read it during the week, it'd be awesome, uh, just to catch up a little bit. So the book of Jonah, it's a unique book. Do you realize this? Jonah is a story of a rebellious prophet who hates God for loving his enemies. Do you realize that? In this book, well, let's look at it. Most books that have prophets in it, are about the words of the prophet. The book of Jonah is actually about the prophet. It's actually about a story about a prophet. Where every other book that has a prophet in it, it's about what the words that were spoken by the prophet. This is about a book that is really about 
a prophet. And when you start to read about it, it's actually about a rebellious prophet. Can a man of God be rebellious? Can a Christian be rebellious? And so that's where I thought, whoops, God changed his mind. Because every now and then I meet a lot of Christians that come to me and say, hey, listen, God said. Who's ever had someone say God said to them? God said that I need to go and do this. God said that I need to help you out. God said I need to lay down my life for this and, and this cause and his cause. And, and two weeks later they come back to you and apparently God's changed his mind. Either one or two things is that, you know what, God got it wrong or you got it wrong. Or God changed his mind or you just didn't hear God properly. I don't know. Who do you think would be the one? I'm not sure in that circumstance. Because as soon as someone says God said, you know what, my opinion doesn't matter. I've realized that. I've realized as soon as someone says God says, I can just sit there and go, uh-huh. Okay. And so in my life, I, I use the God said card really, really lightly. I, I don't think I've really ever used that card. I know when God speaks to me, but, but I'm like, God, I really need to know it's you before I even say a word. And so in this story is that it's the book about a prophet. In, in, this, in this book is that you have a prophet who rebels. You have pagan sailors who repent. And you have a powerful kin who humbles himself before God. All in one book. The book of Jonah. And so we started off on Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Mattai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. In some versions it says, hey, go and, con- go, go and prophesy, go and declare doom for that city. I was like, man, I should read that version. Imagine that, God giving you a word. Go and declare doom over that city. But Jonah arose and he flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid a fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I find it interesting just reading those three verses there. In a matter of two verses, it says twice that he was fleeing from the presence of God. How many times do we flee from the presence of God? Is that God wanted him to go to Nineveh. God wanted him to go to Nineveh and declare the word of the Lord. He wanted him to go to his enemies and say, hey, listen, you know what? Turn or burn. That's my version. And Jonah's like, you know what? I would rather my enemies die than me give them a get-out-of-jail-free card. And so, because of the bitterness and hurt that he had towards this city, these people, he decided, you know what, God, I'm not doing it. Do you realize what these people have done to me? Do you realize what they've said? Do you realize what they've done to the Israelites? Do you realize... He's like, no. 
Like, when was the last time you said no to God? God speaks and you go, no, nah, not doing that. Anyone in this room? No? I remember moving to Redcliffe. And I, I said yes. Carolina said yes. And we had a couple come and see us and, and they sat with us and they said, you know what, we really feel that God's told us to come with you. We really believe God has told us that our future is with you guys up on the northern suburbs, and, and we really want to come. And I'm like, great. And, and you know what? A couple of weeks go by, and they come back, and they're like, yes, God's really with us. And But, okay, there's the but. But we'll never do kids' ministry. Now, this is what I find about the sense of humor of God, is right now they're running our kids' ministry. And they're probably the world's greatest kids pastors. And I just find it funny that sometimes we just go, no. Like my little son, Jesse. I've got a picture of him here. Look at that. Yeah, he could do no wrong. You know how long it took me to get him in that barber's chair? Like that's like the fifth visit and he finally got in it. But, but right now in his life, he loves the word... No. I will ask him to do something, and he'll be like, no. No. I'm like, what do you mean, no? Eat your dinner. No. Eat your No. Go to your room. No. Go to the toilet. No. Like, just, uh, there's this no coming out of him, and I'm like, where has this come from? Like, it must be his mother's side. <laughs> but it goes one step further. The reason I know is because of the defiance in his eyes. Because a three-year-old will just stand there and, and like, I'll be like, go to your room. He'll be like, nah. And, and just the, defi- the stance. It's not just a no, it's a no. <laughs> and then he adds on to the back of it, I won't do that. I'm like, <laughs> honestly, it is the mother's side for sure. <laughs> the defiance, the I won't do that, or it's I don't like it. And like I'm just like, but sometimes we can be like that with God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. And Jonah, I, I believe, is in this place that he has that moment. Have you ever been asked by God to do something and you've come back with a, no. But of course, we're adults. We don't say no. We, we don't say no. We, we, we go more spiritual. We either say nothing and do nothing and sit on our couch and flick through the TV. Or we say, I've just got to go and pray about it. Ever notice that? I'm just going to go and pray. It's the Christian no. It is. It really is sometimes. It's like you do have the genuine people that do pray about it, but then you've got the others who are like, I'm just going to pray about it. No, just tell me no. It saves your integrity. Oh, sorry. Okay.
You know you should do it. When the Spirit whispers in your ear, it says, hey, go and talk to them. Or where it whispers in your ears and says, you know, you should be involved in a certain area of of the church or you should be doing something within the community. It it just whispers and and what's your response? And some some of our response is, well, you know, I I don't relate. I I, I don't relate to them. I, I don't like them. I'm not even interested. Like, honestly, that was Ben and Romy's response. I don't even relate to kids. We haven't even got kids. I don't even like, they love kids. I'll be honest, they love kids. They are phenomenal right now, but sometimes our response isn't necessarily the response that God is after. And so we have Jonah here, is, is that he's in this place where he's saying no to God. Just in that short passage of Scripture, it says that he catches a boat to Tarshish. There's one thing that I've always realized is that rebellion will always cost you. He didn't catch a free boat to Tarshish. He paid a full fare. Is that rebellion will always cost you something. Is it will always cost you relationally. What I find is relationships break down when you're in rebellion with God. Your relationship with Him. Financially, it will cost you. Is that the favor of God, the blessing of God, somehow lifts from you? And the things that you used to walk into, you can't walk into as well. The other thing is time. And rebellion actually sometimes costs you time in actually fulfilling what God has called you to fulfill. You can read the story of Jonah. Eventually, he does go back to Nineveh and he preaches the gospel. He gives the word of the Lord. But in his rebellion, it took him twice as long. Rebellion will always cost you. Jonah thought that running from God would make him free. Instead, it made him a slave. True freedom is only found in the presence of God. It's only found in the presence of God. Does God change his mind or do we get it wrong? Does God actually change his mind or do we get it wrong? And my first point is this. God will act in accordance with our choices. Time and time again. God will act in accordance to our choices. Jonah 1, 14 to 16. And this is where Jonah, he's on, he's on the ship and... The, and all of a sudden there's waves and, and there's a storm and he's asleep down in the, in the boat. And it says, therefore they cried out, this is the sailors, out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with his innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done this as it pleased you. Let me just backtrack. All of a sudden, there's a storm. And the captain comes down and he finds Jonah asleep. And he's like, why are you asleep? All the men are up there praying to their gods. They're praying, who has sent this curse upon us? Who has done this to us? And he's like, get up and pray to your God. And so they get up and he comes up and, and he knows it's him. He knows. 
And, and so what they do is they, they pray and nothing takes place and they decide to cast lots. And they take the lots and, of course, Jonas draws the, the short straw. And they're like to him, Jonah, what have you done? And he tells them the story. Well, actually, I'm running from the presence of God. He's told me to do something and I'm a prophet. And they're like, you're what? And he goes, you know what? This is, this is an easy fix. Just throw me overboard. Just throw me over and it'll all be calm. And so right there, the sailors are like, you know what? We're not going to throw you over. You know, we're going to pray to your God, but we're not throwing you over at this stage. And so the Bible says, it says, they started to row harder. And, and sometimes when you're about, you know, you, you try to row, those around you try to help you, but you just don't tend to move. And so they're rowing harder and they realize they're going nowhere. And he says, come on, guys, that's it. Throw me overboard. And for some of us, we look at that and we're like, what a noble man he is. He's willing to sacrifice his life so that they could live. But before they throw him over, they pray to God. And they're like, God, hey, don't charge us with this thing we're about to do. Don't charge us with this. And so they picked him up. And jo- they picked up Jonah and threw him into the, uh, into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered their sacrifices to the Lord and took vows. I look at that scripture and it's like, well, he did a noble thing, but right there at that moment, pagan sailors repented. In that moment, sailors found God. They made vows, they, they sacrificed to him, and Jonah went for a swim. Pagan sailors repented, but not the prophet. Not the prophet. The storm for Jonah isn't punishment. It's an intervention brought on by a God's affection rather than his anger. The storm was there to get his attention. It was an intervention. It was an act of mercy when when God sends the storm into Jonah's life, God was using it to liberate Jonah from himself. But, but yet Jonah's like, you know, I, I don't need liberation. I, I don't. Jonah at that moment probably could have said, God, you know what, I will go and do it, and it would have ceased. But instead, he's so self-centered, he's like, you know what, God, I'd rather die than go to Nineveh and see my enemy saved. And he's saying to the guys, throw me over. Throw me over, God, than, than for me to fulfill your will. Throw me over. He's saying, I would rather die. But yet God has his own plans. I find this, that God does not change. He must treat the righteous different from the unrighteous. This is his character. This is his nature. If someone repents, God consistently forgives. If someone refuses to repent, God consistently judges. I love that because then it's not our job to judge. Right at this point in time, Jonah's judging. At this point in time, Jonah doesn't have the grace of God around his life. He doesn't want to extend the olive branch. God is unchanging in his nature 
in his plan and in his being. Malachi 6, uh, 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Numbers 23 to 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So right here we see God's plan hasn't changed. God hasn't changed his mind about what Jonah should be doing. God hasn't changed his response to people that repent. Because right now, in this point in time, within this book, is that the plan hasn't changed. God responds to the repentant heart. The sailors are saved. But Jonah just takes it one step further. I would rather die. The sailors could see it. The sailors are like, what, why are you rebelling against it? They, they see it, they, but then all of a sudden they find salvation through his rebellion. How many people do you see that they're out of the call of God on their life? You, you know there's a calling of God on their life. You, you know that, that they should be turning to God. They've once known God, but they've fallen away from God. But, but you see it around their life. You know where they should be. And I believe these sailors, they were heathens or whatever, but they, they knew where Jonah should have been. They were like, you're a prophet. What, what are you even doing here? And so Jonah finds himself overboard, thinking, right now, I'm free of it, I'm going to die. So self-centered. But then God has a response. Which brings me to my second point. God will act in accordance with our choice. God will act in accordance to our choices. Jonas thought he was free. He thought he was out of it, but God intervenes again with Jonah with a big fish. And he spends three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. You, you can read through that in uh, Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and he said, I cried for reason of my affliction unto the Lord. Again, it's self-centered. And he heard me, and out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardeth my voice. Sometimes we have to get right to the bottom. We have to hit the bottom before we cry out. We have to hit the bottom before we cry out to God and say, God, here I am. I'll do it. But if you read through this, is that Jonah still doesn't really repent within this prayer. He just agrees, okay, God, I'm going to do it, but really doesn't say, God, I'm sorry. He doesn't say, God, hey, please forgive me. God, he goes, you know what, God, that's it, I'll do it. 
It's like, you know what, I've tried to get out of this, I've tried to run away, but here I am. God only stays true to his character. If someone repents, God consistently forgives. If someone refuses to repent, God consistently judges. Jonah's like, get me out of here. And the fish spits him out. Spits him out. Here I go. I'm going to fulfill this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk through this city. And, and in this city, it takes three days to walk around this city. It is a great city with a powerful king. And he comes and, and he's like, well, here I am. Which again brings me to my third point. And hopefully we get it really by now. Is that God will act in accordance with our choices. God will act with accordance to our choices. Now Jonah's in. In Jonah 3, 1 to 4, it says, And now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second, not the first time, the second. How many times has God had to ask you to do something twice? Anyone in this place? Like, I, I know God speaks to me and he speaks to me once. And then he speaks to my wife and I believe that's the second time. But Jonah is here and God speaks to him the second time. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city. And on the first day's walk, he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That day, a powerful king and a, of a great city was saved. Because God acted in accordance to their choices. I look at the message that Jonah did like, really, I don't know whether he actually said what God told him to say. Because he was adamant. He knew that God would respond. He knew how God responded to a repentant heart. He knew how God responded to a non-repentant heart. He knew how God would treat the righteous and how God would treat the unrighteous. He knew that before he started. That's why he's like, you know, I'm not giving them a chance because, you know, it's happened before. They repent. God forgives them. It's in his nature. He never changes his mind. That's how it works. And so he never wanted to give them a chance. And if you look at that five-word sermon, a whole city and a powerful king dropped on bended knee. It said they put sackcloths on and they repented. They sacrificed to God. Even the animals repented. The cows repented. From that five word, 
I wish I could just say five words. God moves, everyone falls, a nation repents, and wow. Wow. Have a look at these five words. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. What would that mean to you if someone came and said that to you? Have a look at that message. Like, there's no mention of sin. There's no mention of repentance. And there's no mention of God. But yet they found salvation that day. Saved off a five-word sermon. For God to tell Nineveh, I'm going to judge you. And then after they repented, refused to judge them, may look like God changed his mind. In reality, God was simply just staying true to his character. And that's the same today. Is that when we come before God with a repentant heart, when we come before God and say, here I am, God, His response will always be mercy and grace. His response will always be forgiveness when the repentant heart is pure. Nearly every day when I get up, I always speak to God and I always make this statement. Lord God, right now as I come into this day, those things that I know that I have sinned against. Yes, I have sinned against you. And those things that I, I know not of, Lord God, forgive me and help me walk as you would want me to walk. Because sometimes I think we can get a bit proud. Some people are like, well, I've never sinned in my life sin at all now. But what about those things maybe you don't know that God hasn't brought to light? Where he's saying, hey, listen, you know what? This is stopping my relationship. This is what I need you to do. And sometimes it's not a word. It's not a, it's just a whisper. I believe he said those five words, but the Spirit of God was whispering in individual ears. Saying, hey, listen, I want a relationship with you. I want to save your city. But you need to come and repent of the wrong. You need to come and just bow and just give your life. Again, Jonah never wanted his enemies to receive salvation. God only stays true to his character. You read the last chapter in or a couple of verses in Jonah, it says he went through and told the city. And then he went out and he sat down. And the reason he sat down is because he wanted the city to be destroyed. He was like, God, I knew this would happen. I, I knew I would come and you would save. I, I knew I would come and I would speak and you would 
change your mind, but God didn't have changed his mind. I knew that you would respond in this way. They don't deserve it. But again, who are we to judge? Who are we to judge? Who are we to have an opinion of who should be saved and who shouldn't be? Because in turn, when we have an opinion, we step out of the presence of God. We step out of His covenant, His mercy, His grace, His love that He has for mankind. And Jonah is there. He knows that God only stays true to His character. If someone repents, God consistently forgives. If someone refuses to repent, God consistently judges. But God's nature is always mercy and grace to those that come into a loving relationship with Him. No matter where you are, no matter how far you are, from Him. From Him. At one time, we were all enemies of God due to our sins. It's highlighted in Romans 8, verse 7. God warned us that the wages of sin, in Romans 6, 23, in order to cause us to repent, the wages of sin is death. When we repent and trust Christ for our salvation, God changed his mind, that he stayed true to his character about us and now we are no longer enemies but we are beloved children of the most high God God's desire is that we would be beloved children is that we would be his beloved God loves mercy and will always forgive today. God is unchanging in his nature, in his plan and in his being. He is unchanging. His mission is still the same. His mission is this, is so that people would come to an understanding of who he is. Would come to a relationship in him. Would come and find mercy. Would come and find hope. Would come and find love peace and restoration but all it takes is someone just to say Lord God I I believe in you Jesus I believe in you and right now I know that there are things that are keeping me away from you I I come and I lay them before you I I come with a repentant heart I come with those things right now I lay them down and I I repent so that I can walk with you I, I can be called your beloved today Are you called his beloved? Jonah. We should have known better. God will act in accordance to our choices. God will act 
in accordance to our choices. Today, church. Today, church, how does he act in accordance to your choices? How does he act? Father God, I thank you for the amazing church that we have. Lord God, I thank you that we can come to this place that your, your nature is still the same. Your plan is the same. And Lord God, today I thank you that we can sit before you with a heart that's turned towards you. Lord God, with a heart that, that longs for you today, Father God. Spirit of God, I thank you that you're in this place. Lord God, right now, I don't know everyone in this building. I don't know their walk. I, I don't know where they stand with you today. But Father God, if, if there is someone here today that wants to connect with you, wants to come into a relationship with you, Father, I, I pray that you stir their heart. Just while the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if, if you're here today and you're like, I, I want a relationship with God. I want a relationship with a God that responds with mercy and grace. I want a relationship with a God that loves, that would rather save than destroy. I'd love for you just to raise your hand just while no one's looking so I know who to pray with. Thanks, guys, over to the side. Thank you. go one step further. This is the hard one. This is the hard one. And Jonah never actually really passed this test. He said, yeah, God, I'm in, but he never actually said, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. This is the hardest thing for Christians. Is it, yeah, we've got an almost relationship with God. We speak to Him, but do we really act out of Him? Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to include you in a prayer too. A prayer of just saying, God, right now, my relationship isn't quite where it needs to be. There are things in my life that I haven't done that you've asked me to do. There are people you've asked me to speak to. There are, there are people that you've asked me to share your gospel with and I've shied away. But right now, God, I just want to say sorry and here I am and use me again. Speak to me again, Lord God. If you're like that this morning, I'd love for you just to raise your hand while no one's looking. I told you, this is the hardest one. Because no one likes to admit this. Okay. Father God, I, I thank you. You see every heart in this place. Lord God, for those that made a decision this morning to follow you, Father, I pray that your spirit entwines their life as they come to you, Father, and lay their life down. And they say, God, whatever is stopping me from a relationship with you right now, God, I lay it before you and I repent and I, I cut it off. But God, fill me with your mercy and your grace and your love. And Father, as they believe upon you today, Father, fill them with your spirit, the guarantee of their salvation. 
And Lord God, for those that that have the strength to respond, that know that they have a relationship with you, but God, they haven't fulfilled everything that you've asked them to fulfill. Lord God, they've shied away from what you've asked. Lord God, as they've had the courage to stand and raise their hand this morning, Lord God, I I pray that as they acknowledge, as they say, Lord God, we're sorry for not fulfilling. We're sorry for not not obeying what you've asked us to do. Lord God, meet with them today. Pour out afresh over their lives today. Pour out your spirit afresh. As they say sorry, as they come into this place. And Lord God, for the rest of us, I I pray that we have the courage to be able to hear your word. We have the courage to be able to act upon it, Father. Whether we feel intimidated, whether we feel ill-equipped, Lord God, that we will fulfill the call that you have for us. And Lord God, as a church, I pray that we never shy away from the mission, the cause, the plan that you have for this church. Lord God, that we will fulfill it. Why? Because your plan doesn't change. Because you want heaven to come to earth. You want your kingdom to reign here on earth in people's lives. And today, Father God, as a church, we declare that your kingdom will reign, Lord God. Your mercy and grace will be shown through this place on individual lives, Lord God. That a nation will be changed. Why? Because we lift up the name of Jesus. Why? Because we put you back on the throne. Why? Because... Your nature never changes. Because as we show love, mercy, grace, and peace, as people feel your love and they come into a relationship with you, they come into an understanding of what sin is and how it's kept them from you. Lord God, as they lay their life afresh, as we minister the gospel as a church, that you will act in accordance to the choices we make. Because God, you're after our obedience, not just our sacrifice. Lord God, today, pour out your spirit, pour out your love. In Jesus' mighty name.